0: it's vacation week on the nicole sandler show but i've put together some shows pulling from some of my favorite interviews from 2022 today we go back to april 8th and a visit with rachel biddecoffer today i've been excited about this uh interview for a while we actually recorded it yesterday to be honest with you, because Rachel Bitakoffer has a, a few things. She one, she's doing some um, uh, happy hour podcast today. Um, I didn't, I didn't ask for the details, so um, there's that. And two, she's got uh, a young one who comes home from school at like five thirty, so we needed to pre-tape it anyway. So it worked out that way. So if you're not familiar with Rachel Bitakoffer, she gained prominence. As a political scientist, back in 2018, because she most closely predicted the blue wave that happened and how many seats the Democrats would pick up, and it was like 41, which was huge. Um, and um, you know, she was everywhere for a while. Um, I, I, you know, I I saw her, I saw her once on uh, Real Time with Bill Maher, and I didn't like it, but I realized that's Bill Maher's doing. Um, so anyway, what happened is. Earlier this week, she followed me on Twitter. So once someone follows you, you can direct message them. And I did. And I introduced myself and I thanked her for the follow. And I asked her if she would, you know, do me the honor of coming on the show. And she, she was just friendly and agreeable. And yeah. So when I got her on the line um, yesterday, before we started taping the interview, I'm telling you this for a reason, she um, she, she, we were talking about, um, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know how we got on the subject, but radio. And she said, oh, so now you're going to tell me that back in the nineties, you know, you worked at a station and, um, you know, you were, you helped break Alanis Morissette or something like that. <laughs> and I said, well, actually it, it, that's true because I was on the air in LA Um, At a station, we were very early on Alanis, and I was extra early, and I was singing her praises. I got to see a showcase, and she blew my mind, so I talked about her. And because I was such an early, loud cheerleader for her, um, she remembered, and her label remembered. And so, as the record, as Jagged Little Pill was going up the charts, like a week before it hit number one, when she was everywhere... She came into my studio and sat down and did an interview with me. Um, And so, you know, it it just came up in conversation. The reason I'm bringing this up is because I promote the show on Twitter. I wrote today, Democrats can retain control of Congress in the midterms, but we must work for it. Rachel Biddecofer is my guest today. She has the roadmap for us to follow. Listen, and I gave all the, you know, stream information. Well, she retweeted it. And as she retweeted it, she wrote in which storied L.A. radio jockey Nicole Sandler reminisces about her interview with Alanis back when L.A. radio launched her career, and I lay out how to stop a midterm effect. Listen, well, first of all, the conversation about Alanis was off the air before we started taping, and eh, L.A. radio didn't launch my career. That happened, you know, in college in New York, and then I went to L.A., but that's okay. Hey, she can say whatever she wants, and it's fine with me. All right, so uh, this interview runs most of the hour. I'm going to give you, we played the disclaimer at the beginning of the show, but I'm going to say it again now because let me warn you, you thought I had the filthiest mouth in town. (laughs) Rachel Biddecoffer can curse me under a table, just so you know. So the language is a little salty, but you've got two women here who are, um, very passionate about what uh, we're talking about. So I guess with no further ado, we should get to it. Here we go. I think. Come on. I'm so excited for our guest today. Dr. Rachel Bittockofer is a political scientist and and so much more. Uh, you specialize in campaigns, elections, voter behavior, those kind of issues, right? How did how do you become a political scientist?
1: that's actually a really great question no one's ever asked me that before um you know i think it is helpful to have like two parts of of, like no fucking idea what you're doing because (laughs) otherwise you would never to um subjugate yourself to the Pain of pursuing a PhD in Poli Sci with the uh, knowledge that almost certainly you won't end up as a professor with that degree anymore because <laughs> there's no jobs, right? So um, yeah, so why does somebody go go into Poli Sci? For me, believe it or not, Nicole, this is gonna you're gonna love this. Believe it or not, like the blog world was was developing mm-hmm. when I chose instead to go to graduate school in 09. and I was thinking to myself. Well, I, I mean, I, I'd love to be a political analyst, you know, like some, something like that, but I'm sure I will need credentials beyond I'm an undergraduate major in political science <laughs> right. in order for people to take me seriously, you know? So I went to graduate school and then kind of gave up that idea to become a professor for a while, <laughs> but it came back to me and, and it's so funny, right? Because of the, the irony is that six years I spent becoming an expert, like an actual trained expert. Other people um, just kind of skip that step. (laughs) It turns out you don't need those credentials at all. Tell me about it. (laughs) We have imposters everywhere. No um, shit, dude. Turns out as long as I was an undergraduate major in something, I am now a political voter behavior expert. So...
0: (laughs) There you go. But you gained some notoriety. We all came to know you back in 2018 because you're the one who predicted this blue wave. You most accurately predicted what was going to happen in that in that midterm. Um, And midterms are kind of hard to predict, aren't they? Or aren't they? Or are they?
1: So you know what? They are. I was just at a panel recently with uh, David Shore and someone asked about are elections easier to predict now. And I was, they're, they're so fucking easy to predict. I can do it. <laughs> so to answer your question, midterms have always been predictable. The midterm effect has always been a standard. I mean, it is one of the most powerful and regular patterns in poli-sci of any discipline, of any focus uh, in poli-sci. And, and, you know, in that regard, when, when I came out in 18 and said, hey, it's going to be a banner year for Democrats, everybody was understanding that that's in the political analyst world, I think, pretty early on. What they didn't understand is how modern voter behavior has changed because of Something called party sorting. We've had geographic and regional realignments. And we've had the radicalization of the Republican coalition. Right. Uh, oh yeah. And and um, you know, partisanship is what we call a heuristic. So, like um, you know, it's often been celebrated, hey, Americans don't need to know much about politics or politicians or anything because they've got this party heuristic and it will give them a shortcut to fulfill their civic obligations. And so party has always been a really big indicator of what someone would do in terms of vote choice, but in this last 20 years, it has become almost a perfect indicator to the extent where I can know nothing about you, Nicole, but if I know you're a Democrat or that you lean towards the Democrats as an independent, I can predict your vote choice 9 out of 10 times. And I don't even need a candidate. I don't need a nominee. I don't need anything. I just need to know that and here's the fun part is that your demographics can also predict your partisanship so based on that stuff and this thing called negative partisanship which mm-hmm. is not something i invented it's just something i uh, another scholar uh, invented and we don't actually aren't 100 sure who uh just a little group of us that study that started talking Talking about this concept called negative partisanship, which is the part when you have your identity as a Republican or a Democrat, some of that identity is grounded in what you think, feel, and believe about the opposition party, right? Right. And so, think about negative partisanship. Uh, initially, people were like, "Oh, what's more important, love of your own party or hate of the other?" And mm-hmm. what has happened over time is that hate of the other has become the driving factor, right? Yes. So in 2018, I was able to say, "Look, it's not just that Democrats are going to have a banner day; it's they are 100% going to flip at least 23 seats in the House, and that's what they needed for control. So control is all but a given. And then the question is, how big will the wave get? And I anticipated it'd be somewhere around 42 seats, and it was like. 41 or something right. so. Yeah, but it's, it you know, it is base it is a testament to what I want to really stress to people who are listening to this. It, you know, and I, I joke and I say, oh, you know, elections are so predictable, even I can do it. But the fact of the matter is this partisanship factor, it, it, the Republican system is designed around it, and ours has not made that adjustment. And so I'm really trying to get people to understand how important and, and uh, critical it is that we go into 2022 with a strategy that's that can meet this polarized moment
0: great and that's exactly what i wanted to talk to you about because we need we i'm talking about democrats the people who don't want to see the republicans get back any power because of well what will happen if if when that happens and i don't even want to think about it um so so we need a strategy and i hate to say it but the elected the, the party elders let's put it that way um, don't seem to have much of a plan Am I off base in saying that?
1: Well, so one thing I want to stress, and this is another like turn I'm trying to get people to take that follow me or listen to me, is to understand like, okay, look, Schumer and Pelosi and Jamie Harrison, I mean, really, I fill in the blank famous person that you know, right? Like, they get advice. Invite- Advice, right. And like they're getting advice from very well credentialed. I mean, certainly better credentialed than me <laughs> right? in terms of electioneering as far as resumes go. Uh, people. So, like, you know, stuff like Hillary Clinton ran the wrong campaign or, and didn't deliver for like, you know, people, da da da. She's given advice of, as to what to say, what not to say, uh-huh. what to run on, what, how not to run. She has no input at all on. The voter targeting, the, you know, how the f- voter file is used, you know, uh, the candidates are only going to be as good as the advice that they get. And that's why what I'm doing is such an uphill battle because, and you can, and I like to think of it from the consultant's perspective, the people that I'm arguing we need to, to make changes with, um, you know, here's this person who's never done their job telling them, this is how you should do your job, right? right. I mean, it's obviously a, a tough pill to swallow. And then when you factor in me telling people, look, it's, it's, it's not about left, right, progressive, liberal. It's about brand ambassadors. They're running a branding operation against us. It doesn't matter if, you know... Katie Porter took a vote or did not take a vote on an issue. When they come after it, us on whatever the issue is, it will be Democrats, not Democrats, but not 10 of them. Right, right. <laughs> or Rick Scott's plan, right? It's just Republicans' plan, right? So getting people to understand, you know, yes, all these things that you're super passionate about, like there are ways to run on them and turn them into electoral wedge issues. We've never done that. And I'm happy to discuss that a little bit more. But at the end of the the day, the Republican Party's message is always, hey, voters on our side, be afraid, be a very afraid. If you don't vote, these people are coming for you. Okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, then, and then that same message is hitting the conversion pool. It's not a different message. It's the same message. And the conversion pool doesn't know jack shit. They don't follow politics. They don't read the news. They know nothing that you know if you're listening to the show. Your friends, your norm, normal families, the muggles, they know nothing of anything except for what gets through in these imagistic brand assaults. And all they hear is Democrats
0: are all socialist, and they're coming I mean to defund the police right? and to eat your children to to children. sexually assault them and eat pedophiles. them right because yeah. they're all pedophiles yeah. The, 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 yeah truth has no bearing and you know um i always i try to be fair you know this show i'm i'm an opinion host but everything is based on fact based on the news based on reality and if i ever get anything wrong my listeners will tell you I ask sure. them to let me know so I can correct it because I don't want to put out false information. The exactly. other side has no compunction they 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 lie and they'll swear to it they don't give a shit so um, and they have a media infrastructure to back them up which makes it all the more dangerous so we need people on our side to call them out on this shit do we have anybody doing it
1: and here's the thing nicole when they send an ad off to their lawyers what they want to know is will i go to jail (laughs) and push this thing as far as you fucking can okay when we send shit off to lawyers man and make sure it meets the goldest standard ever, dude. Like right. you know, leave no room. And I'm like, look, let's shoot for PolitiFact half true because they're so they're a record. I mean, unlike them, we don't have to lie to make them scary. They're fucking record is yes. Right. And the
0: reason why other people aren't terrified about it, guys, is they don't fucking know because we don't tell them. <laughs> they watch Fox or Newsmax or OAN. I don't any of that. It, any
1: of that. So like, you it. know, if you want to know who are Target target audiences. I mean, just if you do anything civic, anything at all, that's a yarn or quilting group or a bowling or you know the Girl Boy Scouts, Mom troop, whatever. Man, pro pro these people for current event info. Okay, they haven't heard any of the shit that you've heard. If there's a tornado that wipes out four hundred people, they'll hear that. You know, nowadays you gotta kill what, a hundred kindergartners to make the news on guns. Yeah. So you know, something like that they'll hear. And then they get the 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 like the monotone narrative. So during Trump era, that was Trump is scary and things are crazy, right? Mm-hmm. And now with Democrats it's inflation's bad and gas prices are high, right? And, and but, that's can, just the can, nature of the system.
0: And and not never once do I hear anybody say, by the way, those are not problems unique to the United States. Gas Prices are high around the world, as is inflation. I have a listener, Patrick, in Germany, who emailed me the other day, and he said, "I'm so sick of all the whining. Yeah, g- gas is four twenty-five uh, a gallon in America. The equivalent amount here is over nine dollars. So stop whining and elect better candidates." No, dude. Hello. Yeah,
1: Right? It must seem like so confusing to I mean, I do talk to, to some international audiences. And the reason why it confuses them, guys, is that like we're living in this fucked up absolutist like version of the constitution and the Bill of Rights that have verved have, have, have us both a media and an election system that is not just different from our other European democracies and from our friends of north. It is dramatically fucking different. It's a completely unregulated winter wonderland of you can say whatever the fuck you you want now we don't do that mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because we're um and again we don't have to i'm not advocating that we just make shit up we don't have to we no just tell exactly it, hey. <laughs> republican party has a secret plan
0: to raise your taxes and end social security <laughs> you know? and it's like, not so secret no, they're I, saying it out loud and i'm here in shit. florida and that idiot voldemort uh is our former governor only to be replaced by somebody who's even worse death <laughs> sentence uh, it's it's just crazy down here
1: It really is, right? And, like, the Democratic impulse is, like... Well, we have to make sure you you'll read these tweets that come out, and it's like you know Senator Rick Scott's plan. <laughs> no, no, it's just Voldemort. A plan, <laughs> Like, it's the Democrats' plan to defund the police. Is it not? Right. It doesn't matter if you're Jamie Harrison, Abigail's fan murder, or actually one of the five fucking total Democrats that have ever had the words come out right your mouth exactly. Any capacity, right, yep. um, you're getting saddled with it, and that's what I'm talking about when I'm talking about a brand assault, right? And in the midterm, this is what we're fighting. What drives these fundamentals of a midterm is twofold. There's the swing pocket, that small, pure pool of independence. They're not greatly informed people by the most part. They don't have, have a lot of interest in civics in politics which is why they're kind of you know agnostic <laughs> uh, some of them are highly engaged but most of them are actually stupid as fuck okay? right, right. And, and they go with whatever the prevailing wind is and the prevailing wind is always against the in party <laughs> so our goal in 2020 is to make a lot of conversation and dominate a lot of news cycles in which the Repo- Republican Party and their shit show is the star of the
0: show you mean in now 2022 because that- you just said 2020 and I don't want to relive yeah. that all right. <laughs> yes 2022 got it right. <laughs> yes uh and, and you know there is the thing as we hit this year i said oh no it's 2022 like again yes. it's just like, and but it feels that it way doesn't so. it i mean god nicole i'm so glad you catch that uh-huh. Like, hey i have news for you all if you watched
1: with bated breath as i did the inauguration of our wonderful president joe biden under armed guard Mm -hmm. (laughs) completely closed off apocalyptic hunger game looking fucking setting and then like felt better, you know, I'm here to tell you that you should not be feeling any better at all. In fact, they have uh, taken out all of the things that serendipitously predicted the transfer of power last time, because it's the only reason we had the transfer of power is they just didn't have quite the radicalization down the state party levels that they needed it into
0: these elections. But apparatus. they do now.
1: And they do now.
0: <laughs> That's the thing that people need to understand. So the machine that Trump and his minions tried to put in place in, in process last in November of 2020, they have, or they're on the verge of having in place for not only 22, but certainly for 24, whereby they're replacing The local what were used to be nonpartisan election uh, supervisors or boards or whatever with partisan actors who are rabidly Republican. And by that, I mean, anti-democratic Republican
1: exactly right. right and i mean here's the here's an apocalyptic scenario that I, you know there's, there's a reason i was terrible at fundraising i'm way too honest and blunt right and, I, and i'm not here to bullshit people like we're, this is stakes are not policy like okay not that i don't care about policy but now the policy is survival right? yeah. survival of uh 245 years of, of our you know our, our our um you know our relatives our our friends and our neighbors i mean We have to preserve the American experiment. But also you think about all the millions of people who are unborn now who may be born into a fascist country. (laughs) You know, the stakes are really, really high in 22. So I have to be really honest with people. Please. That's what we need. Midterm effect. Like this is what we know. Right. We can we can measure it in two Really reliable polling indicators that are aggregated, meaning they're collected from multiple sources, and then we're given an average for them. And one of them is called the generic ballot, which asks people, do you want to vote for a Republican or Democrat in Congress in the fall? We do not have the advantage on that. We used to. We had it through the whole Trump era, start, you know, through 2017 and on. And then predictably after Biden got into office and started doing the job over the course of 2021, that started a trend the other way and it has now completely inverted. And it it was inverted before when when the Democrats were doing infighting and blaming Joe Manchin and Kristen Cinema for everything in the world, even though there's still, you know, no 50 votes for Republicans. There's like no votes for Republicans, right? right? Exactly. Um, So during the height of our sausage making ordeal, you know, it's one thing to kind of see this opinion come in in such a negative way but since then we've actually seen like kind of an extraordinary event i mean russia invading ukraine putin and um biden has whipped together this coalition of nato they're just fucking killing it right sanctions nuclear bombs and like biden's doing really well the economy is doing really well
0: by all counts right except in the news media and the and the and the narrative that the right is pushing Yep, and it's powerful
1: because, like you know, when they release data and it says, you know, why is oil prices high? And you know, you have five responses, but the modal response, the one, the plurality, is, you know, Biden. It's Biden's fault, and it's forty one percent of survey respondents. The reason is, if you looked at the cross tabs, it's all Republicans, right? They like
0: Biden could
1: like resurrect Jesus, okay. And they're
0: not going to say that he did a good job. No, No. I mean, the absurd thing is Biden is a religious man. I'm not. But OK, so, you know, the the Republicans are supposedly a lot of evangelicals. You would think the the um, the 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 Catholic, the guy who goes to church every Sunday, the guy who wants to take communion or whatever it is they do, because I don't know um, that they would go for him rather than the guy who held the Bible upside down and said three Corinthians you <laughs> or whatever yeah. he said, who, who never read a Bible and won't admit it. And yet they, yes. they hold him up as the, the guy in, it, it, I call it opposite world. Are you familiar with the concept of opposite world? It goes, oh,
1: I am. And, I mean, yeah. the, that, that would be a good way of, of like, other than the word gaslight. Yes. Well, it goes, everything like, Republicans do
2: like this here. Everything you thought you knew, you never knew it all sideways is straight ahead. Facts no longer matter. Reality is now fiction. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, opposite world. Nothing makes sense, right?
0: And I used to say I would debate a Republican because I am about issues. The thing is, they have to stipulate to the facts: sky blue, grass green. And I can't mm-hmm. find a single Republican who will say, "Yes, we breathe air, we drink water, and not the other way around." So you yeah. can't have an honest conversation with them because they don't understand honesty. But you're saying it's not even about that. It's more about the brand. It's it's more about how we package it and position it. They are so dug in deep. I just saw some guy doing a man on the street thing with people, I guess, at one of Trump's rallies. And, and um, the, the, first of all, they asked about uh, January 6th. And this couple wearing their Trump T-shirts said, he said, what do you think about January? He says, oh, it was a lot of Antifa. You know, they were they were there stirring up trouble. Well, no, they weren't. And we know they weren't. But that's what they've been told so many times that they believe it. Right. Repetition breeds a new narrative. They believe it. And so how do we counter that?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's the that's the thing we need to understand. Right. Like it's not this isn't Kansas anymore. It's not 1992. These folks have been subjected to not just months, not just years, but cycles worth of psychological warfare on them between the right wing media and the right wing electioneering orbit. And, you know, radicalized, frankly, Mm -hmm. right? So you can't de-radicalize folks easily. You can do it. Not easily. Certainly not why Fox News continues to spew every night. Okay, that's just a given. Fox News outperforms CNN and MSNBC combined nightly. Right. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And it's just not, there is many components, since Russia's dead, there are many components of right-wing media that should go, but all of those could still, day and Fox News could go and you would see a difference, right? Because Fox is really that repetition machine. But it's beyond that. They understand how we behave. They understand our weaknesses. They understand the weaknesses of our media system. And they have designed a system that is based to exploit all those weaknesses, right? So what I'm arguing is since they're, you know, they are just as predictable. I mean, I don't know. Apparently, other people don't know how they operate and I've just happened to be weirdly interested in that, but they have a system that works really well and we can do it in a more responsible way. And we're certainly not advocating that we want to wage psychological warfare on people. But at the end of the day, guys, there's only 15 10% of America that would describe themselves ideologically as liberal. Okay. Hmm. And if we're trying to persuade Conversion voters, swing voters to vote for us, or trying to drive turnout. We need to meet voters where they are. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm. And where they are is self-interested. <laughs> okay. Right. They don't give a flying fuck about the collective, especially the white people, right? Mm-hmm. Like, if you want to hit people and make them care about your shit. Then you got to put it in personal terms and you got to make it feel high stakes.
0: Right. Like how this is going to help you. And the thing is, a lot of the ideas that they used to call, you know, far left and socialist and Republicans still do just because of the branding is actually mainstream now. Uh, Medicare for all, I think most people want universal health care. You know, they don't want uh, their health insurance tied to their employer. They want to be able to, and it shouldn't be. Republicans don't want their employers to have to pay for their employees health care the thing is it's how it's positioned how it's how it's um, put out there to the public am i wrong no, you're not wrong because here's the thing
1: is like like and, and this is an understandable um strategy if, if for for the left to have taken. So like the last decade, what the left has focused on extensively is increasing the popularity of their policy proposals, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And you know, getting them into the high 50s, 60s, even 70s, 80s on some of the shit, right? And in order to do that, what they have done is marketing that has been bleaching out the partisanship and the po- and the politics. Because they want is when you want to mass market something, partisanship is bad way to do it, right? And but but the problem is, so they thought what would happen is if you make shit really popular, then the Republican Party has to move and respond on these issues, right? And that is where I'm coming into the understandable mistake component because that assumes some things about the American electorate that aren't true, right? Number one, the election's not you know, uh, formed and engaged at all, right? Mm -hmm. They know nothing, and as we've talked about. And, you know, if you think, okay, I've got this thing, Medicare for all, or $15 minimum wage, and it's in the 60s, you know, Republicans are going to move over. You you can only assume that under a a body politic that is healthy, the mass Mm -hmm. electorate, and an honest opposition party. Okay. And we have I, neither of those.
0: Exactly. Things, right?
1: Exactly. Ten years ago, they were really moving very, very quickly in that direction. But, uh, you know, the literacy about what's happened with polarization and hyper partisanship, even among analysts, is really low. So it's understandable why IE's and public interest groups and all these other groups working for policy just assumed I just got to make shit popular. Right. Right. <laughs> Right. and what we but what we we need to do now is that it is popular right so we can we can either cry in our lemonade or we can make lemons at or whatever cry on our lemons and make, make lemonade, lemonade right? right right so we've got this shit now that's really popular and now it's time to wedge issue it and that's what i'm really focused focusing here on my post strike pack work on is teaching every group candidate entity that wants to work with me how do you take something like healthcare and make it a power Powerful weapon. Right, make it in fucking possible for them to not support it, or if they do, make it clear to the electorate you don't have nice shit because of the Republican Party, right? Yes. And so what we need to do now is take our really popular shit and bludgeon them with it. Okay. But so you, you mentioned- make it clear who's to blame, and and so like, and I'm going to mention this because you um you had said, oh yeah, you know we need to tell them how this policy is going to affect them. That's kind of actually what the current You know the new strategy is. And what I'm saying is no 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 no. We hit them with something like, hey, that six hundred dollars you had a month for your kids, it's gone because of the Republican Republican party. (laughs)
0: Right. Because they took it away from you. They're the ones who fought again. You know, you mentioned Strike Pack. So strikepack.com, this is the the pack you formed to help do this. Tell us about it.
1: Well, I mean, I just left strike. Pack oh, did you? Okay. <laughs> to go independent. And the reason I've done that is so that I can, so, you know, again, when we were talking about hyper rigidity in our coalition, that these ads not just have to be factually right on politifact, it has to have every citation and the graphs have to be real, not like, you know, good looking and easy to understand. Like when I talk about that stuff, it also translates down to like hanging out with somebody who runs a super PAC, and uh-huh. it became a, um, an obstacle to me getting in as, as much strategy renovation as we can possibly get in right because if we do not make a referendum theme and just hammer it home all through the cycle, then we are um, we're up shits creek. So we really need my. I'm I'm really trying to spread myself around now. Okay.
0: So now, are you available? I I I couldn't find a website or anything. Are you available for hire? If a campaign wants to hire you to help them in messaging to help them win an election, are you available?
1: so you know I, I, the public announcement was on the second just a couple of days ah. ago and what i'm trying to do is fill out my 2022 dance card with entities orgs candidates uh groups whatever that are going to best maximize my impact on strategy and messaging ah. in, in, in many places as possible because the sad truth is guys with this midterm effect coming those two indicators the generic ballot and the other one's enthusiasm so uh, you know that how excited are you to vote uh enthusiasm and yeah. gap, which used to be us 10 points positive and now is them 10 points positive and definitely isn't a false indicator because now we've seen what happens in Virginia. So we now know, I mean, yes, turnout was high, but it was higher for them. Yep. Yep. <laughs> so now we know what's coming and, and the data doesn't lie. I mean, this is a, we are looking at somewhere between 20 and 30 house seats on these two indicators today. And if we drop them, we're going to lose Michigan, Wisconsin and Pennsylvania gubernatorial races. And that is oh my God. a really hard pill for people to accept, swallow, whatever. Um, but by September, people will realize it. It's just I'm trying to get people to panic now. Because it's April and September's too fucking late to panic. Yes, because and you I know want what? to really illustrate like the twenty twenty-four cycle, like the difference between twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty-four are those democratic statewides in those three Rust Bell Midwestern states. So it is a matter of, you know, extreme urgency that we go forward with an aggressive strategy that forces the Republican Party to play on defense that does not give in to temptations to engage in wonky debates or substantive debates about the shit they want us to talk about, mm-hmm. even though it's really tempting because trust me, they know that. That's why they designed it that way. <laughs> Let's go and hit them hard. They just murdered like the, the data from red state to blue state on COVID management. It, it's yes. an apocalypse, right? I mean, it's basically a red state apocalypse. So I call the uh, Arizona Georgia, Florida, Florida, and Texas governors—the four men horsemen of the apocalypse, right? <laughs> because they killed so many fucking people, and a lot of them guys are essential workers. And yeah, it's true that a lot of them are Republicans who, who swallowed the propaganda and, and did not protect themselves. But in almost every state, when you look down at the data, who's going to suffer from the lack of mitigation and piss poor efforts to statewide vax people? It's going to be your essential workforce. Of course. And- and did you hear
0: what Governor Moron death sentence did today? No, I actually have. OK, me. check this out. DeSantis bars hospitals and nursing homes, uh, hospices and other long term care facilities from prohibiting family visits dur- during a public health crisis or emergency and bans them from requiring a proof of vaccination to enter. So you know, this is the man who told the kids, the high school kids, take off the masks. It's a, it's a it's COVID theater. No, it isn't. And and they're closing down all the COVID centers in the state because it's over. Really, if it's over, then why did Nancy Pelosi test positive today? Why why eight more members of Congress tested positive today? It's not over just
1: because you're well, you think of it. Doesn't Florida's mean it's death over. Death rate is seven times higher than DC's, even though it's not. I mean, when you look at when you control for the wave, the first wave. I mean. No Nobody fucking knows what's happening. This no. pandemic rushes in; it hits the two coast, it ravages our major urban uh, centers, right? Mm-hmm. But the second, like the, that first wave, takes a long time to disperse through the rest of the country. And when it just gets going down in Florida and Georgia, is when they fucking reopened everything, yes. right? And so and- they've had every wave, you know, going. But even if you just exclude that time period and look only at vaccination, you know, widely available. Time, Time, that's when this this difference becomes very, very stark because, you know, it's not, it's, I'm not going to say all death of COVID is preventable right now, but almost all of it is. The that's death what the, is, n- maybe, okay, maybe not, not the transmission, on, but yeah, the death. I'm not is. talking about breakthrough infection. Right. I'm talking about the thing that we needed to leave our houses again with some semblance of confidence, the thing that keeps us from dying, right? right. And it's extremely effective. Um, and, you know, DeSantis's record down there is. It's just, it just he should be bludgeoned over the head with covid mismanagement because he killed off old people. And where are all the old people in Florida? And he's coming for their Social Security, their yep. Medicare and their taxes. Dude. Right. Like, it's a, a right. brainer. So like the fundamentals are shit for us, guys, and they're predicting this heavy seat loss. But the
0: politics for us are fan fucking tastic if we just run into it. Okay, so we need to run into it. We right. need to be just, and this is what I try to do every day on this show, and I, you can tell I don't hold back. I say what I think, and I say it in no uncertain terms. But we that needs to go on throughout the, uh, around the country, and yes. from the people who are in Congress, um, yes. you know. And so we need we need a sea change. So we primaries begin in. Weeks, you know, I May third we have I, if my calendar is right. I think are the first primaries, and they're in Indiana and Ohio. Are we ready?
1: Oh, my expectation is we'll see declined turnout for Democrats across the nation in primaries. Um, you know, and uh, like I said, the data doesn't lie, right? we can change the data. It's like, I, I'm advocating for this. Let's not spend three months pretending maybe the midterm fe- effect isn't real and that it will magically okay. go away. And quickly, the
0: midterm effect, in plain right. English, the midterm yeah. effect is the, the party is. That, that comes so. and takes power in the right. net, in the first midterms, the, yeah. th- that party loses big time. Yeah, yeah. Right? And I'm advocating
1: for this. Like, this is a fact. We shouldn't even bother to debate it. And we know for sure that reality isn't moving public opinion because we just saw two months of it. So given this reality, instead of debating whether it's going to happen, why don't we just accept it and build a strategy that's aimed directly at interrupting
0: it? Okay, so how do we do that? Now, the House is virtually tied. There's like three or four seats different. So it looks like the Democrats will lose control of the House in 2022. For those who don't know, every member of the House of Representatives is up for election every two years. The Senate is cut in thirds. So every two years, a third of the Senate is up for, for election. So how are we how are we positioned? The House, I think we're in trouble. The Senate, how are we looking?
1: Well, again, you know, uh, if you lose 20 seats in the House, um, then you will not be holding the Senate and particularly vulnerable down in Georgia and Arizona. Mm-hmm. All right. Um, we have a couple the Senate is if we only had this Senate map in 2018, the Democrats would have had a double wave. It would have been mm-hmm. in both chambers. So it really is contingent to the races. Mm-hmm. Our best pickup opportunities are actually in those two, those, uh, two of the three Midwestern um, blue belt states, uh, Michigan and um, is, is has the Whitmer reelection. Right. And um, and then in Pennsylvania, they oh. have a governor's uh, race and they've right. got an excellent candidate for a runner for that one. The problem is that elections are determined by coalitional turnout and how better, who best dominates that conversion pool. The conversion pool is going to break 55, 45 roughly in favor of the GOP just on in party fundamentals. We can change that though by hammering that that pool that, that pool of people with messaging that makes them fear change, makes them fear the Republican Party, and that should not be hard to do because all we have to do is tell them the things that the Republican Party is doing.
0: Who is the person who can tell them those things though that they will believe? Who who yeah. who who do we have?
1: So, like, you know, I mean, here's the thing. You think about the media ecosystem and the Republican advertising system. They are never talking about themselves. They're always mm-hmm. talking about us. So the easiest way for me to answer this question for a lay audience and to give people something actionable is start to, list, start to listen to yourself. How much are you talking about us and policy and all the shit that we like to talk about versus them? Because what I need is every motherfucker talking about the Republican Party, right? When people say, oh, well, Congress didn't pass Bill back better, you have to hit them back and be like, that's because Republicans, right? right? You have to tell them that the Republican Party is coming for all of their shit, right? Their health, their wealth, and their security. And make them feel
0: afraid. Right. Okay, so we need to, we need to be fact-heavy. We need Rick Scott's new Republican plan for to 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 make Social Security and Medicare expire every five years. So you have to renew. I mean, it's insane. He wants to take away what little social safety net we have left.
1: Yeah. And imagine if I could teach you to say the Republican Party secret plan, right? The Republican Party secret plan.
0: Right. So everybody say it with
1: us. The The Republican Republican Party secret secret plan. plan. Okay, the Republican party secret plan to raise taxes and end social security and medicare right and you if we could say that and then you know the people listening to this say that and then the news people started saying that and the party people start saying that and you're asking me how it happens and mm-hmm. I realize this sounds pie in the sky guys but the, the stakes are the survival of the American experiment okay so yes. I have no choice but to be pretty fucking bold in my vision and what I'm telling us is we need to talk about them we need to always be talking about them we need to hammer some of these catchphrases at them the way that they do to us and you know it is easy to say well we can't do it because we've never done it and,
0: and that's really where but we've we have. Yeah, but you know what uh, we Rachel, Rachel yeah. Biddecoffer is our guest and just think back 12 years uh, we just had Obama visit the White House to commemorate the 12 year mark of passing the Affordable Care Act well I don't know if you re- I'm sure you remember but Alan Grayson was a congressman from down here in Florida and we still quote him 12, 13, 14 years later. The Republican health care plan is don't get sick. But if you get sick, the Republican health care plan is die quickly. That, that's exactly and, right? right. And that's true.
1: That's the fucking slogan. Like, like yes. you sort of with that, right? Yes. So what I'm, Nicole, you could not have mentioned something better. And this may end up in the book, okay? okay. That, that is so true. And at the time. Time. I mean, if Twitter existed and I had been a thing on it, I would have been like, <laughs> that's the slogan. That's you know, Republican health care plan. Don't get sick. And if you do, die quick. Yes. <laughs> it's not ours. Yes. And you know, so when you say we've done it before, we have had these conversations for decades. Okay? And we, we now have the important.
0: Affordable Care Act. I have and health what insurance. I'm because is
1: it. now right. it's time for the, oh, the system, which is a decentralized mess. So it's not natural for us but we can do it we're a party of incredibly smart people who most of the people who have organizing experience we can fucking do this guys the secret republican plan to raise taxes
0: and end social security and medicare
1: just say yes. that
0: yeah. <laughs> okay well and now we need somebody to lead the party now uh, this uh, hopefully we can all do this we can all do our own metaphorical die quickly uh thing um <laughs> But then we got to look forward to 2024 because it's right around the corner and we do have a problem. You know, here's the thing that gets me. Joe Biden is 79. Donald Trump is only four years younger than him. That's at that age, that's nothing. When you're two and seven, that's a big deal. But it's 75 and 79. I'm sorry. There's no difference there. How did we let them reposition Joe Biden to be the fee- feeble old coot when when, Barack, when when Donald Trump is out of his fucking mind? I love that you mentioned this too because God, it just is such a great way
1: to illustrate this concept. Yeah, guys, we all watch Donald Trump bragging on camera about you know his fucking whatever. All man, ch- man,
0: so man, woman, man,
1: person, man, woman, camera thing, yeah, right? Right? Like. And yet here's the thing, the public opinion data don't lie, right? If you if when you poll about feebility, it's Joe Biden that carries that brand, who's who's mentally slow, okay? And the reason it's important for you to understand, like, how that is, is because when I said that our side is especially tuned out of news and information, no one sees any of the shit that we see. None, they never have any of these conversations. They are, they don't, there's algorithms on Twitter have no politics in them, and our job is we must tell them if we want them to No, because yes, that's how much that inferential differential is, informational differential is between the right and the left. And it's not just their distribution network though, and it's a big factor in it. It's not just that. It is that we are naturally more heterogeneous. We are naturally more likely to be doing other shit than watching old people news. Yes. (laughs) So we have to get that information. It, It can be in seven second digital ads, which I call flash branders, my style. They can be on Hulu. They can be on YouTube. It can be on Reddit. But like that's where the people that
0: we need to hit are and we have to hit them hard. Uh, this is, this is such good stuff. And my listeners are right there with you. I promise you this. I mean, it's just common sense. Again who do what what do we do looking forward to 2024? Because yes. whether you know, whether Joe Biden is more feeble minded than Trump or not. Look, I remember talking about Trump probably having syphilis and it affecting eating away at his brain. He was so out there and ridiculous. And oh, he suggested God, yeah. that we inject bleach to, yes. to, to, to treat COVID. I mean, come on, or man. More a a hurricane. More a hurricane. Him. We could go on and on for hours. Yet that yeah, yeah, shit yeah, yeah, didn't yeah. cut through. Right. So what do we do about 2024? Because I, I don't think we're well positioned with a candidate.
1: Yeah, no, we're not well positioned with a marketing apparatus. Right. And we don't have it. We can't wait, wait till the 2024 no. cycle to fix it. No, we got to fix it right now. now or that midterm effect is going to eat us alive. Right. Yes. But at the end of the day, that's literally what I wake um, up and live, breathe and, um, you know, fret about constantly is how do we. What, what can we start changing? To me, the answer of, well, you know, we've talked about that. We've never done it. It's hard. We can't organize. We're Democrats. We're not organized. Like, I'm like, no, fuck you. Right. right. We're going to do it. Like, there's no, you're telling me the people, some of the smartest people in in the country, some of the most talented people in the country in this party. And we can't, we're getting our asses wiped by these morons, dude. No, I just can't. I can't have it, dude. No. We got to win. Yes.
0: <laughs> All right. So so this is our um, our mission. Should you care yeah. to accept? Don't take the bullshit anymore. Turn it around. And and look, you know what? I'm guilty of it, because if I'm doing news, I would rather focus on the amazing speech Jamie Raskin made on the floor telling Marjorie Q. Green to shove it up her ass um, than here are the, you know, the about the details of Rick Scott's plan to secret plan to kill Social Security and Medicare. <laughs> but I guess I need to focus more on Rick Scott and the Republicans secret plan to kill Social Security and Medicare.
1: Yeah, here's a good parameter for any, progress, and you're not alone. This is all through liberal and mainstream and progressive media, okay? It's just just our nature and the system that we've created. And so, therefore, to change it, it's like quitting a habit. We have to actually do it intentionally. Right. Right. And so, for me, whenever you're putting something together, whoever you are, I'm talking to Nicole and and the broader public, too, like, ask yourself, is this topic – Hurting Republicans? Like, am I shining light on the Republican Party or am I preaching to the choir, talking about something that's never going to happen anyway? Because right now, we really just need everybody rowing in one direction. And that Mm -hmm. direction is to highlight in every way, shape, and form what the fuck is happening in the Republican Party and what will happen to America if they take control.
0: Got it. I need to ask you about one other thing that I know you've written about, you've talked about, and that is. Stop giving us these namby-pamby, Republican-like, blue-dog assholes. Stop electing the Joe Manchins and the Kirsten Cinemas. Get real Democrats, people who will stand up and say, I'm a Democrat and I'm proud of it, whether they want to call themselves progressive or not is one thing, but they can't be Republican-like because if they try to win on those terms, the people who want that are going to vote for the Republicans. Exactly,
1: dude, but here's the thing. All right, I want to make something very clear. Joe Manchin, like the behavior that he does, and I know people are like, oh, it's because he's got this money and that money and this thing and that. No, guys, he's in a fucking Trump plus 35 Well, eight. that's true. He's the last Democrat that will come out of West Virginia in a century. Yep. Okay? Yep. He's a historic leftover, too. So if you get rid of Joe Manchin, that seat is Republican. Is
0: red. Right.
1: Yep. He is the 50th, 50th. You would not be confirming the judge today because you would never have had confirmation hearing about Joe Manchin. So he's not completely fucking useless. Kristen Sinema, on the other hand, <laughs> is completely no fucking useless. Rationale. Okay, I got nothing <laughs> on that. But let me tell you, every time we're talking about those two as being the impediments, to um, progress, we're doing so with this base knowledge that actually the real problem is this Republican opposition. Yeah. The there, are, there are those
0: return. two, but all 50 we Republicans. the
1: assumption that that's what people hear, that, we're, that is hearing our voice, and that is not what they hear, guys. You have to make that connection clear to them that, no, it's actually, you know, the Republicans are filibustering this thing. They're, they're, why, you know, there could be two that could vote for any. Thing that Joe Manchin and Senator are holding up, right. right? The reason, by the way, Joe Manchin is doing this shit is because he has to at least occasionally behave like a Republican because that's whose electorate is. It's, you know, Trump won the state by 80% or so. It's like 80-30 or so, or 80-20. So, you know, you, you know it's, it's electorally disincentivized. And we really don't do that. We assume the audience understands the unspoken elephant in the room mm-hmm. and we define everything internally. Do you see what I'm saying? So the focus is on the internal issues and it ignores or does not provide a broader context, that we're living in a very atypical time period, that the Republican Party has collapsed into chaos. It's a decay that started way back in 2010, you know, with purging of moderates for um, extremists and that gerrymandering process. And now we're bearing the fruits of a system that has been radicalized nonstop and without any pushback from us for 10 years. So, you know, voters don't know the
0: Republican Party is an extremist party, and we have to tell them we must uh, rachel biddicoffer i could i could talk to you for hours i can't thank you enough for joining us today for following me on twitter so i could contact you so- are you
1: kidding it's my i mean oh, i'm the one that's god. privileged i mean i i gotta say like the 1990s me would be like damn i'm talking to nicole samler <laughs> on the internet what the fuck is that no. i, I would have been like oh my god i mean So, girl, I'm
0: I'm going to send you my Alanis Morissette interview from the 90s. And so now if a campaign wants to hire you, you said you're looking to fill your dance card. How did they get how did they find you?
1: Yeah, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not trying to turn anybody off, but I do want to make things clear. I, I, um, I'm a woman on a mission, and that is a mission that I take very seriously. So I am definitely working and looking to work with anything that's in competitive places that can help us hold 51 seats in the Senate and yeah. 217 in the House. Please. If we have those two numbers on November 8th or whatever of 2022, you know, this year, then we will have performed a fucking miracle. Okay. Yep, so hold those two. Cha- so that's the truth of the science. And, and I'm really um, keen to get involved in every way I can in in improving the probability of that.
0: Okay, so th- they should find you on Twitter? They should contact oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, you know, I think I'm
1: findable. I don't think I'm, like, share, you right, know, but friend? I don't have an email. I have open DMs on Twitter. Because, okay, there you, you know, go. MAGA World is, doesn't have, they're too fucking wussy to mess with me, so I don't even have, you know, really bad DMs. And, okay.
0: Cool. We're just just because, because you know, every Thursday I speak with Howie Klein. Howie Klein runs the Blue America Pack and is in the business of finding the best progressive candidates, and he's got some really good ones. That who knows? So you know, maybe we can make a connection here. Rachel,
1: yeah, we feel free. I mean, this is again the dance card needs to fill, but it needs and it needs to fill in a way that I can. I'm, I'm basically building a shield operation through my endeavors. I know what the party's going to do. I know how they're going to do it, and then I'm trying to supplement the shit that will be missing, which will be the everything that we want to push the referendum effect towards the gop got it perfect
0: um you're you're so needed right now and i'm so glad you're rising to the occasion rachel biddecoffer i'll put her twitter handle up on the, on the blog where i post the show it'll be at nicole sandler.com slash 4-8-22 that's when this airs uh rachel thank you so much this has been awesome and i hope we can do oh, it again no
1: happy back and, and thanks so much nicole
0: yeah, so um, I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. She's great, and yes, she um, gives me a run for the money in the cursing department. <laughs> so, I, I, I for once, someone with a bigger potty mouth than I have. How about that? Um, I hope you got a lot out of that. So, here's our lesson: the Republican secret plan to ra- to uh, kill Medicare and Social Security. We need to point out and drive home the heinous shit they do. I get it. It's uh, what did you call it? Negative partisanship. Okay, it makes sense to me. It really does. Um, all right, we've got like three minutes left. It's a it's a Friday, and you know I thought there's a new a, a new Pink Floyd song, a first the first official release from Pink Floyd. In twenty-something years, um, it's called "Hey Hey Rise Up." Do you remember a few weeks ago? I played for you the Kiffness, uh, an artist from South Africa who I found during the pandemic, who samples sounds and mixes them together. Well, he took the vocals of this this guy, this um, uh, Andre Kavli, something of of the band Boombox, a, a Ukrainian rock star. And he mixed it together and created a new song. And and all the revenue he raised for that goes to Ukrainian relief. Well, Pink Floyd's new song is also using that same guy's um, song, his singing. I'm not going to play it here because I don't want to get copyright violated. But I will post the video on the blog where I put the show. It'll be up at NicoleSandler.com slash 4-8-22. All right. So, um, well, that does it. We, we're done with this week. What a week it was, too. Can I just say one last time, uh, Katanji Brown Jackson, how awesome, awesome, awesome is she? Um, she just, yeah, she's exactly what we need right now. Unfortunately, we've got to wait until the end of the term for um, for her to become Justice Jackson because um, what's his name? Uh, uh, boy, how quickly I forget. Uh, the guy she's replacing is 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 staying through the end of the term. All right, somebody's calling. Hi, who's this?
2: Yes, this is Marcus in Las Vegas.
0: Hey, Marcus in Las Vegas. What what's on your mind?
2: Um, first of all, I'd like to thank you for your guest. Um, I don't know her name, but I'd like to find her some name kind is of
0: way to be Rachel to Rachel And you can find her on Twitter. At Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, B-I-T-E-C-O-F-E-R.
2: Okay, B-I-T-E...
0: C, like Charlie, O-F, like Frank, yeah. E-R.
2: Okay, got it. Got it. Um, I know there's only a couple of minutes left, but you guys are right on. You're spot on. Um, more than anything else, but the Democrats need to hammer their home to the American people what the Republicans are, who they are, and using their own words.
0: Exactly. Exactly. They do it very effectively. When they call us the the radical liberals, you know, there's nothing radical about what we're doing. It's just in the positioning. It's the marketing, and I hate to say it, that's what Donald Trump as demented as he is, that's the one thing he's good at. Marketing, positioning, branding. And that's where we're yeah. we're we're lacking. That's where we need to pick it up. I,
2: I do not understand why I have not seen a clip that shows Ronald Reagan or George Bush, George Bush out of their own mouths saying, I want to repeal social security. That, actually, they never said that. Um, the words that they used, the, 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 when, they, when the house voted against the ACA, they were literally, literally in the Rose Garden or outside the house uh, with ear-to-ear grins. They were beside themselves with joy. They need to show that video clip and the video clip of Rick Scott. Put yeah. them all together. Yeah. Run a montage.
0: Yeah, good idea. All right. Well, we'll yeah. work on that, Marcus. Well, thank you for calling. I oh. saw you called during the interview. This was on tape, so I couldn't bring you in then. So I'm glad you called oh, back. See. She, Rachel Bitakoffer, is you know she's 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 out there. She's she's been around and she's got a name in the election, in the political science world. Um, so I did. I introduced her and Howie Klein last night via email and i i believe they spoke so hopefully you know
2: yeah
0: hopefully she she's can work with some of those candidates she's spot on
2: she's spot on it's very refreshing to hear somebody who's telling it like it is i mean she this is what needs to be told you know this is what we need to do and uh, I just want to support her. I want to join her.
0: Great. All right. Well, tweet at her. So that's the best way to get her right now is uh, on Twitter at Rachel Biddecoffer. And again, I will put it, I'll put the link to her Twitter feed on the blog where I post the show. It'll be at NicoleSandler.com slash 4-8-22. But Marcus, I got to run because the show's over and I have to do the broadcast.